It's an interesting place to work around here. <laughs> a lot of fun. Um, we are in this series called Believe, and um, I've said this each week. If you are new to Northgate, um, this book is free. We are encouraging everybody to get a copy of this book. You can pick yours up at the information desk if you haven't already. Um, we're really talking this whole year about what do we believe and then how do we believe and then how does it change who we are? And that's kind of the three different segments to it. So we spent the first part of the year just talking about what are the essentials of the Christian faith? What are the things that we say we believe? And then this next section, which is where we're in right now, is so, okay, if that's what I say I believe, how does it make a difference in the way that I live my life? And it's all about how do I believe? How do I live out these beliefs? Because I can say a lot of things I believe, but what I truly believe is shown in my behavior and in my actions. The ultimate goal in all of this, and this is what we're going to pick up again in the fall uh, after summer break, is we're going to be talking about, so how does that change who I am? So it's about believing, understanding. It's about believing, acting on it or living it, and then believing as in becoming the person God intended me to be. So for the last couple of weeks, particularly in this section on um, how do we believe, we're talking about the value of community, that my faith grows in a faith community, that I'm challenged, I'm stretched, I'm taught, I'm interacting with other people, and, and my beliefs solidify, they uh, get challenged, <clears throat> and they, they grow to better understanding of that. And uh, the last three weeks, or the previous two weeks up to today, um, is how does that actually work itself out? And a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the idea that we are all gifted and shaped by God uniquely to make a contribution. And your talents, your abilities, your spiritual gifts, all that experience that you've gone through in your life, God has used to shape you because he's got something for you to do with that. And last week, we talked about the importance of our time, that we take those gifts and then we offer our time for using those gifts in serving the Lord. And today, we're going to be talking about giving of our resources, which is co-word for money. Okay, because that's what we're going to be talking about today. And by the way, Jesus talked more about how we handle our possessions and our money and our attitudes towards those things than any other single topic. All throughout the Old Testament, all throughout the New Testament, it is one of those things that is talked about over and over and over again. And the reason for it is, is that as Jesus put it, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And Jesus talked about it. He taught about it. The early church practice this generous living idea that we talk about around here. And Paul wrote about it onto the Mediterranean churches. And we're going to look at one of his letters together this morning. If you want to take your Bible, we're going to be Second uh, Corinthians, which is actually just a letter that Paul wrote to a group of people in a city called Corinth. And he wrote these words to him in Second Corinthians chapter 8, beginning in verse 7. He wrote, since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love that we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich." Turn over one page, chapter 9, verse 7. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. 
And God is able to bless you to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times having all that you need you will abound in every good work as it is written they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor their righteousness endures forever now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness you will be enriched on every way in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in its many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace that God has given you. Excel, he says, in this grace of giving. Jesus talked about it more than anything else. The early church practiced this generous living and generous lifestyle. Um, and, and Paul wrote about it. Why, did, why so much talk about it? Why, why is it so important? I think because it is a re- revelation of our hearts. And in this section that he talks about, he tells us how that works itself out. That he talks about living generously because, first off, because generous living is an expression of grace. Now, you may not have thought about it that way, but that's actually what he says here in verse 7. He says, since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Now, you may not have thought about it, that giving is, is, is an act of grace, but it really is. In fact, the, they have the same root word. At, in the Greek, it's the same word. Grace and gifts and gratitude, they all come from the same root word, that we've been recipients of God's grace, and out of our sense of gratitude to him, we give as act of grace to other people. And he says that's how it works, that this is actually an expression of God's grace. He talks about excelling in this grace of giving. Now, this grace of giving, excelling in grace of giving, is really about generous living. It's not just about giving, it's about generosity. Because, see, giving, giving is an action, but generosity, generosity is an attitude. Giving is an event, but generosity is really an orientation. In giving, it's, I use my head. I think about giving. But, but generosity, that's an expression of my heart. And that's what he's talking about here. Now, let me give you a little bit of historic background to give you an idea of what, why, why did he write this letter. Well, the church was birthed, the Christian church was birthed in the city of Jerusalem. These first believers were actually Jews who had become to believe that Jesus was the promised Messiah, and they put their faith and their trust in him after his death and resurrection. And so they were now Christians, but they were Jewish Christians. And, and in the city of Jerusalem, they were going through a very difficult time. Um, part of the reason was that we know that there was a famine in the land around that time. But for whatever all the other reasons might have been, the Jewish Christians, particularly in the church in Jerusalem, were suffering financially. And so what Paul did is he started a GoFundMe campaign. <laughs> Only he didn't have the internet, so what he did was he wrote letters. 
And he wrote letters to all these other churches all around the Mediterranean and told them about the need over here in Jerusalem and just said, you know, hey, if everyone in all of our churches takes up a collection, we can help those who are in need back in Jerusalem. And that's what they did. And if you read in, um, in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 8 a little bit earlier on, he talks about the churches in Macedonia and how even in their poverty, out of their extreme poverty, it says they gave above and beyond. And, and so now he's writing to the Corinthian church and he says, listen, all these other churches, they've done great. And you guys said you'd be in on it and, and you made all those pledges. But he said, now it's time to pay up. He says, listen, you excel in your faith and the way that you are growing as a church. When it comes to faith, it's like if he was given a report card, when it comes to faith, A+. Plus. When it comes to speech and, and saying the right things and talking the right way with each other, A plus. Knowledge, you know the word, you know, you, you've studied, you're, 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 you're learning, you're growing, A plus. Faith, or speech, knowledge, earnestness, you know, wholehearted and all this thing, A plus. Love that you, that's kindled in you, yes, A plus. Giving, yeah, you're at a C. It's like, you know, you, you need to, you're excelling in all these other things. You need to excel in that grace of giving. It's like, you know, if you, would, if you would apply yourself, remember hearing that as a kid? If you would just apply yourself, you could bring that up to an A. And that's in essence what he's saying to them. He's saying, because this is an expression of grace and you're excelling in every other aspect of grace, make sure that you excel in this one as well. Because we are most like God when we give. God is a generous, giving, gracious God. And we are most like him when we are generous as well. The most well-known passage of scripture in all of the Bible, John 3.16, says this. God so loved the world that he, he gave. Gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. He said this is, this is God's expression of love. That he gave his one and only son. And Paul picks up on that. He goes on further in the letter and he writes these words. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. So that you through his poverty might become rich. See, this is at the core of our faith. This is the core of our belief system. That we believe, as we sang about today. We didn't earn it. We don't deserve it. But he gave anyway. And when we live generously for those who don't deserve and haven't earned it, we are most like God. It is an expression of his grace. And generosity is rooted in our faith. And we are most like God when we give. In fact, I would go so far as to say this. If we cannot be generous, then we don't truly understand the grace of God. Because his grace to us is so generous and so lavish that the only response that could possibly be is that we would be generous and kind. It's an expression of his grace. It's not only that, generous living is also an exercise in faith. It really is. It takes faith to be generous because what I'm doing is I am trusting that God is going to take care of me. I can be generous because I believe that God will take care of me, that God is my source. He goes on, he puts it this way. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap 
generously. Now, we don't live in an agrarian society, so maybe this doesn't quite hit you the way it would hit them. But they knew full well what he was talking about. A little illustration for you today. This is a ear of corn. Now, I don't know if you've thought about this, but every kernel on this cob is a seed. And every farmer at every harvest time has to decide, am I going to eat the whole corn on the cob or am I going to save some of it and plant seed for later? Because I can eat it all now, but next year I won't have anything to eat. So every year, every farmer has to decide how much do I eat and use up now and how much do I plant for the, for the future? And in essence, what Paul's saying in all this is, listen, you guys know how this works. If you sow sparingly, if you eat it all now and just plant a little bit, I guarantee you, you're going to reap sparingly. But if you sow generously, you reap generously. Every time a farmer sows seed, it is an act of faith. Because he has no idea what the weather conditions are going to be like this year. They don't know if it's going to be a drought or a deluge. They have no idea. And they won't know until a year from now. And you and I have that same decision. It's really a step of faith. Will I live generously or will I eat all my corn now? (laughs) Will I sow some of that and use it for God's work? Just... The right answer is live generously, sow generously, because you reap generously when you sow. He says the best way to live is to live a generous life. Now, if you're here for the first time, or you're new to Northgate, or you're new to church, or anything like that, you think, oh, there they are, their church talking about money again. Listen, I'm not even talking to you, although I really do believe generous living is the best way to live. This is for Christ followers. Because if I'm a Christ follower, then I'm saying I have put my faith in him and God is going to take care of my needs so I can be generous with the resources that he's given to me. How do you learn generosity? Well, Paul went on and he laid it out for them. He put it this way. This is how you do it. This is how you grow in generosity. First of all, he says, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. Now, let me break that down because this really applies to every one of us because that's what he says. Each of you should give. This is an all skate. Every one of us in this room. He says, you have to make that decision. Now, around here, when we talk about living generously, we talk about it being planned. We talk about it being a priority and we talk about it being proportional or percentage of your income. And the reason for that percentage part is, and that's the way that God designed it, by the way, All the way back in the Old Testament, he talked about this 10% or the tithe. Now, we're not going to be legalistic around here, but I'm just telling you, the reason for the percentage idea is everybody can do it because it's not an amount. If there was a set amount, then it would leave some of us out. And for some of us, that would be huge. And for some of us, that would be nothing. But when he makes it percentage, then everybody gets in on it. And so he says, each of you should give. Now he goes on. What you've decided in your heart to give. That means you need to think about this. That this is something that is planned. And it should be done thoughtfully. And it should be done prayerfully. That that you need to stop for a moment and say, okay, if I'm going to do this, because each of us should do this, then how do I do this? I should decide in my heart. I've got to be convinced of this. I've got to make that step of faith myself. 
So he says, decide in your heart. And you should do it willingly, not reluctantly or under compulsion. In other words, he said, you make it a priority. You just say, I'm going to do this. This is how much I'm going to do it. And I'm going to do it wholeheartedly. Now, over the years, we have encouraged people with something we've called try the tithe. And maybe you've done this before. A lot of us in this room have. In fact, I would tell you of all the churches that I've ever been associated with in ministry or even attending, this is the most generous group of people I have ever been connected with. Really, really has. And and it's so gratifying to to know that that so many of you already know this stuff. You already understand what it means to live a generous life. And that we as a church have been able with hundreds of thousands of dollars help people in need through the dollar club. To to drill wells in Uganda. Over 50 wells that we've been able to sponsor in that. The things that we do um, in our community. The things that we do for people in need. It's incredible. But it starts somewhere with a decision. And so he says, each of you should do this. And you decide in your heart what it is it's going to be. And then do it reluctantly, not reluctantly, or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. See, if I'm, if I'm motivated to give out of guilt or arm twisting or, or out of a desperate need that I hear of, then I might give, but it will probably be on impulse. It will not be consistent. It will be very sporadic. But he says, no, 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 this should be something planned. It's a part of your regular, everyday life. It's how you handle your finances. And when you do that, he says, God is always faithful. You can trust him because God is faithful. He goes on, he puts it this way, that God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. We have never, under compulsion, made anybody try the tithe. We've always given the opportunity to everybody. We teach about it. We explain about it. But we never twist somebody's arm. We never sit down and say, okay, how much do you make? Okay, well, then we expect to see this much. That's not how it works. You make that decision. And once you take that step of faith, God always shows himself to be faithful. And this is what Paul is saying to them. In fact, I think this is a part that might help you if you're not already living this generous lifestyle, might help you do this, is understanding how God will always provide for you. So I would like us all to read this out loud because this is really, really important. Okay, so read it out loud with me, would you? God is able to bless you so that in and at having you will abound in See, I want you to notice the alls, all things, all times, all that you need, every good work, not just sometimes or every once in a while or a little bit here and there. He says, no, you trust me. You put your faith in me. I will show you my, show you my faithfulness. It's a step of faith. It always has been and it always will be, will be. But here's the deal. When you take that step of faith, when you give that expression of God's grace, Generous living has an impact on eternity. It impacts eternity. When we are generous, then then God takes what we offer to him, and he uses it to do work for eternity in people's lives. Now, this is the part that sometimes gets distorted, because there are groups of people who talk about the whole abundant living and the all times and all places, you know, and everything you need and all that kind of stuff, but they forget the reason for all of it. And by the way, it doesn't happen when, hap- 
It doesn't help things at all when a televangelist decides he needs a $54 million jet, you know, because the other three that he already has isn't fast enough. Okay, that is not what this is all about. And that kind of teaching, I think, just destroys everything else. That is not the purpose. It's not for us to, on our own selfish desires. In fact, he goes on. He explains what it's for. He says, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. See, here's the part that we often forget. It's the so that part. Why would God bless me if I give? Why would he give me? If I give, if he, why would he be faithful? If I give, why would he bless me? Why would he give me such abundance? Why? Because so that you can be generous. He blesses so that you can be generous with what he blesses you. And when you prove faithful, he blesses you so that you can be generous. Not so that you can buy a $54 million jet plane. But so that you can help other people. We forget the so that. Now, there are benefits. There are personal benefits that we do derive from generosity. In fact, a number of studies have been done. They call it the paradox. There's actually a book has been written, The Paradox of Generosity, that, that actually when we give, we benefit more from it. And a number of studies have gone on over and over the years, and they have found, here are some of the results. They've actually hooked people up to like an MRI and done brain scans as people were doing generous acts or or giving away. And what they found is that the reward center of the brain lighted up, lit up during acts of generosity. That they have found that acts of generosity um, release endorphins into into our bloodstream. That serotonin and dopamine actually increase, those levels increase when people are generous. They have found that people who live a generous lifestyle tend to be more um, uh, physically healthy, emotionally healthy. They actually have found that generous people tend to live longer than those who are not. Which maybe think maybe we should change our core value from generous living to be generous or die. But I don't think that would go over quite as well. But the truth is, we've, God actually hardwired us up in such a way that we live a better life when we live a generous life. That really is the case. But it's not just the personal benefits. It goes on and it has impact on other people. Again, he goes on. He says, because of this service by which you proved yourselves, others will praise God. For the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them. You know what we have found, with this, particularly with the Dollar Club? When we have helped people in need, people who didn't go to our church, people who weren't even Christ followers, when they received a gift and help for a particular need in their life, through our Dollar Club, people have said things like, wow, the church is giving money? And there are people that are part of our church family today who came to Christ because of an act of generosity through the dollar club. In fact, you are here today because of the generous generosity of the people who came before you. You see, generous living has been a core value of ours from day one. When we were first meeting with that original group of 12 adults in my living room and we were talking about what it would mean to be a church for unchurched people, one of the things we were talking about is the idea of this, listen, 
if we're going to reach unchurched people, then that means they're not going to be used to this idea of giving. They're not going to understand the God's economy and how generous living works. So we are going to be paying the way for those who are not yet here. And when it comes to serving in ministry, since they don't know what their spiritual gifts are and they don't even know what it is to live in the spirit, um, then we're going to be the ones who are going to be doing all the work of the ministry because we're paying the way for those who are not yet here. And a couple of years ago, when we were talking about building this facility, and that was one of the things that we just kept reminding people, we will always be paying the way for those who are not yet here. And you are here because of people who generously gave in, in advance for you to be here. And now you and I have a chance to continue that legacy by our generosity, paying the way for those who are not here. That's how God's economy works. And over the last 28 years, that's how we have seen it work itself out in our faith community. So he goes on and he finishes with this. So in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace that God has given you. Here's what happens when you decide to live a generous life. Your belief becomes actual trust. And when you decide to live generously, it transforms your giving into true acts of compassion. And like Jesus said, it changes your heart. Giving opens a door to faith. And faith opens the door to giving, which opens the door to faith, which opens the door to giving. And that's what he meant when he said, see to it that you excel in this grace of giving. Would you bow your heads with me? First, I want to be really, really clear, especially if you're here for the very first time. And you you come in here and say, oh, there they are. That's the church talking about money again. I want to be very, very clear. We are not talking about buying your way into heaven. We are not talking about earning God's love. He has already given that freely as an act of his grace. He loved you, gave his one and only son who gave his life on a cross so that you could enter into this life that he has for you. And if you've not made that decision yet, you can do that today. But today, what I've really been talking to mostly is Christ followers. That you know the grace of God, Paul wrote. You know his generosity. You know his love. So live generously. Give as an expression of his grace. Give as an act of faith. Give and make a difference for eternity. And maybe you're here today and you already know this generous living reality you you've experienced it you're living in it and that's great and i just want to encourage you and thank you for that but also encourage you that maybe there's a new step of faith for you maybe you're here and you're doing kind of you know i'm I'm doing good on the tithe and but maybe maybe for you today god's speaking and just saying you know it's time to excel and step it up a little bit maybe this whole idea of regular percentage giving is just like whoa that's a lot and maybe 10 percent sounds huge to you then start at five percent start at nine percent i don't care but start regular percentage giving plan priority giving we'll never twist anyone's arm about this but we will encourage you to take new steps of faith and you will always discover that god is faithful So wherever God is speaking to you, I understand that this is a big step. I think 
getting serious and, and being generous with our, our giving and is, is maybe the biggest step that we take outside of that first step of faith. But if God's speaking to you and just saying, you know what? You can grow in this. You can excel in this. And you're willing today to just say yes to God. I'll take that step of faith. I know it's a big one. And actually living it up is going to be a little tough. But I would love to pray with you and for you as we close. If you're just willing to say today, yes, Lord, I want to get in on that generous life. Whatever that looks like for you, if you're just willing to say, yes, Lord, I want to get in on that generous life. You just raise your hand, hold it up for a moment, and catch my eye, because I want to acknowledge you, pray with you and for you as we close. Yeah, 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 yeah. It is an adventure. It is a step of faith. I'm going to pray with you as we close. But also, if you're here today and you've never entered into that life that Christ has for you, if you've never received his grace, today you can. You can take a first step of faith and it's just simply admitting, God, I can't do this on my own. I need your forgiveness. I need your grace. I want the life that you have for me. And today you can take that first step of faith. And if you've never done that before, but today... That's where God's speaking to you. And I know it's not what we talked about today, but it could be where God's speaking to you. And I want to give you an opportunity. If you would just say yes to God, same thing. Just raise your hand, hold it up in a moment. I'll acknowledge you, catch my eye, because I'd like to pray with you as we close. All right. Yeah. 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 So let me invite you to make this your prayer. Lord, here I am with my faults, with my failures, with my struggles. You know my heart. You know my need. I need your grace, and I'm asking for your forgiveness. And I'm asking for that life that you have for me. Place it within me, I pray. Teach me how to learn and live and follow you. And for those who have raised their hand saying, this is a new step of faith for me. God, you know what that looks like for each and every one raising a hand. I pray that you would give them the strength to follow through on this decision and that you would show your faithfulness as you've promised, not just for our personal benefit, but for what you could do with it when we begin to live faithfully to you. So Lord, take us as we are in these decisions we've made today and ask for your grace to work in and through us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me?